Critical Thoughts with Steve is brought to you by Anchor. Go to anchor.fm today to start your free podcast or download the Anchor app from all major app stores. And welcome to this new episode of Political Thoughts with Steve. I'm your host, Stephen Goff. In this week's episode, we talk about the midterm elections. Midterms is less than seven days away, so make sure that you're registered to vote and make sure that you go vote next Tuesday. But we'll be talking about the midterm elections, the women's revolution. This is going to be a special one. This is something that we've been working on all week for. Of course, this week in Trump, and everybody's favorite segment, Final Thoughts of Steve, where I'll be talking about the dangers of the war with the free press and also the tragedy that happened this past weekend at the synagogue in Pennsylvania where a mass murder took the lives of 11 innocent human beings. Also next week, big announcement, we will be bringing you two, you heard me right, two political episodes of Political Thoughts of Steve. We will have our weekly podcast available for Everybody, on next Monday and next Tuesday, we will be bringing you special podcast coverage and live updated information regarding our midterm elections. We're going to talk about the winners, the losers, the issues, everything you would want to be discussed on a podcast during a midterm election day. We will be discussing it. So make sure that all of you are ready because this is going to be a very special, special week next week with two episodes of Political Thoughts with Steve. So sit back, relax, drink you a cold one. Welcome to this week's new episode of Political Thoughts with Steve brought to you by the Acre app. We'll be right back. And welcome back to our first segment, which we'll be talking about the midterms. But before we start talking about the midterms, this caught my eye when I saw it. I was like, what the hell did I just read? Um, As many of all of you awesome people know, I'm a Navy veteran. I love my brothers and sisters. I love my military brothers and sisters. But the fun part about being in the military is that sometimes you have to make fun of the other branches. Now, I have great friends, great brothers, great sisters in all branches of our armed services. But... And I'm sorry for picking on you, but it caught my eye this week to all of my Air Force brothers and sisters. I have one question for all of you. What the hell do you need a $1,280 coffee cup? I mean, really. I was in the Navy. We love our coffee. I have drank the strongest coffee known to man. It's like one sip of this coffee, your ass is awake for a solid 
12 to 14 hours. Military, we love our coffee, but seriously, Air Force, why are you spending almost $1,300 on large coffee cups? I mean, we get it. These coffee cups must have been made out of, like, gold or aluminum. I mean, I saw this report the other day, and, you know, the Air Force, they're under some scrutiny right now. Um, there was a report that came out that says that the Air, Sport was, or the Air Force was spending all this money over the last three years on large coffee cups that can reheat beverages. And they would put these on refueling tankers and cargo aircraft so that pilots and hopefully members of the flight crew could have something to drink. Now, you could easily go to Walmart and go buy like a little bitty heater for about 20 bucks. And those heaters even come, you know, with coffee cups, or at least I think that they would come with at least a coffee cup. Or if not, you can go to the next aisle and go buy you like seven coffee cups. I mean, in front of me right now, I have, let's see, one, six, nine coffee cups of Star Wars. Not including the most awesome coffee cup that my soon-to-be 10-year-old son gave me for Father's Day, which was, and I'm shitting you not, it is a black coffee cup with Darth Vader on it, and it says, Luke, I am your father. I mean, it is seriously the coolest cup anyways. But, you know, this is kind of a political story, but not really. I mean, to me, this is just me making fun of my Air Force brothers and sisters. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Um... But yes, the Air Force is spending, you know, almost $1,300 on coffee cups this week. So, you know, that's happening. So I just want y'all to, um, you know, wrap your heads around what's going on in the Air Force right now. If you see a member of the Air Force, love them, tell them thank you. But also ask them why they needed $1,300 a piece for coffee cups. Anyways, let's get into our first segment. This is the midterms. This is the last full week of midterm elections. Now, this is a very important midterm season. And the reason being is because we have so much going on right now. In the political spectrum, we have a Republican controlled Congress, a Republican controlled Supreme Court, a Republican controlled White House. A lot of states are red, a lot of states are purple that could become red. Right now, in the House of Representatives, there are let me see if I'm counting this right. Because I think I told everyone last week about how many seats were up. But right now, in the House of Representatives, there are 30 toss-up seats. 30 toss-up seats still. And yeah, I know. I know. See, this is old news. We know about the 30 toss-up. But just wrap your head around it. There are 30 toss-up seats. This could be a huge, huge deal 
trying to get Congress, or at least the House, to be Democratic-controlled. Now, the Republicans have been showing their wild side over the last three weeks. I'm not going to mention what happened two weeks ago. I think it's time to move on past that, but, you know, there's... You know, been a lot of other things that's you know transpired in this Republican-controlled Congress. This huge budget that was passed a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, the threat of Congress passing more anti-LGBT bills. Congress passing more bills to make it harder for people to vote. I mean, you got to think, John Oliver which is one of my favorite comedians. He has his show on HBO that he does every Sunday night. John Oliver covered a subject called gerrymandering. And basically what gerrymandering is, you have a state that is broken up in so many counties. You start drawing lines or voting lines. These lines will tell you if this county is going to be more blue than red or if the county is going to be more red than blue. Now, what I've noticed, especially in Alabama, is the lines are drawn to where if there's Republican or a large group of Republicans, they're going to draw a huge line around that to make it to where the Republican vote counts more than the Democrat vote. And they will find these little splotches of blues, and they will write you know, little bitty lines around those. And what it is, is a type of voter suppression. It's basically saying that, you know, in this state, Democrats, you're not going to have a chance. Blacks, you're not going to have a chance to live, you know, in a blue state or a potential blue state. Republicans are going to take control of it. And we have been fighting in the Supreme Court for so long when it comes to gerrymandering. I am 120% certain that there are court cases on the books right now when it comes to redrawing county lines to end gerrymandering, especially in the southern states. Now, I live in South Alabama. I know, it's a dangerous world. A Democrat living in South Alabama, a Bernie Democrat living in South Alabama. I drive a vehicle that still has Bernie 2016 bumper stickers on it to this day. And to this day, every now and then, I'll run into some drunk redneck and he'll go, Woo! Trump 2020! I'm like, dude, seriously. But, you know, this is what I face every single day, you know, living in the South and being a Democrat. Now, I'm different than a lot of the liberal Democrats here. I'm a Southern Democrat. There's some issues I actually see the conservative mindset. But when it comes to a lot of social issues... I'm very, very left-leaning on, you know, issues like that's going on with the LGBT community, the black community, civil rights, um, constitutional rights, civil liberties. There's so many social issues that I do not see eye-to-eye with my Republican friends on. But with gerrymandering happening a lot in the state of Alabama, with the other million things that goes on in this state every single day, it's hard for this state to become a blue state. Um, nothing against 
our new newly elected senator Doug Jones. I think he's doing a good job. But that election, even though it was a very controversial election, I have said this once and I'll say it again. If Doug Jones was running against a pure candidate, a pure conservative Christian red candidate, Doug Jones may not be a senator in the United States Senate. And it's because of how counties in Alabama are drawn. Now, some of my listeners live in states like Alabama that are dealing with gerrymandering. And, you know, I know this subject is about midterms, but but it all goes back to midterms. And how it goes back to the midterms is that if we have a Republican-controlled Congress, we may never get to see new laws being written that would end gerrymandering in states, that would make this an actual fair election process. So that's an issue that you know Congress could be facing. But right now, there's a lot of key races going on during this midterm season. Um, you have the gubernatorial election that's happening right now in Florida. And by the way, did any of y'all see the CNN live coverage of the debates in Florida? Let me tell you. The guy who's running on the Democrat side in Florida... I can't think of his name, but I'm pretty certain that I will have it probably within the next three minutes. Anyways, this guy is, he threw some hard, hard punches at the Republican that's running. I mean, he threw some hard punches. There was so, so many mic drops during that debate. I mean, you have Ron DeSantis. He is the Republican. And you have Andrew Gillum. Now, Andrew Gillum, he is, I think he is the mayor of Tallahassee. Yeah, he's the mayor of Tallahassee in Florida. He's been... The mayor since 2014, he is highly popular. He is highly popular amongst progressives. This guy came out swinging, and every single question he knocked, he knocked it out of the park. He, and you know, I'm quick also to tell Democrats what's wrong. I'm quick to give advice to Democrats on how to fix that. I'm quick to give advice to Republicans on how to fix some things. But this guy, this Andrew Gillum, I have become a huge, huge fan of. Right now, the pollings are extremely tight. I think right now... um. Gilliam is ahead of DeSantis. I think I think it's around ten points and maybe twelve. But still, you know, you know, what you learned in twenty sixteen is you can't trust polling data anymore because anything could change. 
So it is a huge, huge deal in Florida right now because Florida could become blue again. And if that happens, maybe the Democrats would will have a, a good chance of winning Florida in the 2020 general elections. Now, if you go to the other side of the Gulf Coast, you have the great state of Texas. And let me tell you, Texas, and it's exactly what I told you all in last week's podcast. Beto O'Rourke is your guy. I promise he is your guy. Polls in Texas is showing it really close. It's still showing Ted Cruz winning, but, you know, Ted Cruz has all the money. He has all the special interests, including the NRA, in his back pocket. But Beto O'Rourke is running a hard-fighting campaign. His money is coming from, from all of you guys. He has no super PAC funding him. He is doing a complete grassroots campaign. He is campaigning hard on issues. I mean, seriously, he is like, and I'm, I may be going on a limb here, and for all of my, for all of my awesome, awesome, awesome Barack Obama fans, this may sound weird. But this guy could be the next Obama. Remember back in 2004 when Obama ran, or he he gave the, the keynote address at the Democratic Convention in 2004. No one outside of Chicago or no one outside of Illinois knew anything about Barack Obama. 24 hours after he gave that keynote address, the whole country was talking about this junior senator from Illinois and how he could be the future of the Democratic Party. And look what happened four years later. He became the first African-American to be elected president of the United States. History was made that day. For me personally, that was the day that my son was born. And I tell him all the time he seriously has the coolest birthday because none of his friends were born on election day in 2008 when our country elected its first African-American president. Definitely not the last time we'll elect an African-American as president. But Beto O'Rourke wasn't talked about much either before this year or last year. I am a huge political nerd, and I had no idea who Beto O'Rourke was, except him being a member of the House of Representatives in Texas. But he is, it's like he he has, he knows exactly what the millennial voters are thinking, and he is capitalizing on millennial voters. Ted Cruz is, you know, he's staying with all those rich old white people. You know, all those NRA people, you know, telling all the lies he wants, how great Texas is doing because of him. First of all, Texas isn't doing great because of you, Pinocchio. Hashtag Senator Pinocchio. I want that to be a thing, by the way. Everybody, if if any of 
you listeners are tweeting about Ted Cruz, I want you to put hashtag Senator Pinocchio behind that. I want to see that shit happen. Now, I know I'm using some dirty words. I put 20 bucks already in the swear jar. You know, sometimes this podcast isn't the podcast to listen to when you got the kids in the car going to school. But it's fun, and, you know, I'm having a good time, and I'm hoping all of y'all are having a good time. Anyways, Ted Cruz, Senator Pinocchio, is telling his lies. And every day, that nose of his is getting longer and longer and longer. Every time he looks in the camera, I swear to God, I think he's about to poke my eye out with that nose. Don't let your minds go in the gutter, please. Anyways, while Ted Cruz is sucking up to all the rich white people, Beto O'Rourke is holding massive rallies with millennials and talking about the issues that millennials care about. Now, for all you baby boomers out there, I'm sorry. But slowly but surely, your time is coming to an end. Generation X and millennials, we are now taking over our country and our political landscape. Get over it. It's happening. It happened before y'all. It's going to continue happening even after millennials. When my when my niece and my nephew's generation starts getting old enough to be able to lead, and please God, I hope that eating Tide Pods has been completely eradicated out of the picture. But yeah. Beto O'Rourke is focusing on the millennial vote. Now, what killed Clinton in 2016? I'll tell you exactly what killed Clinton in 2016. Millennials were behind Bernie Sanders. We wanted Bernie Sanders. But when the DNC screwed millennial voters from Bernie, the millennial voters said, screw it, we're staying home. We will not vote for Hillary Clinton because, one, we don't believe in what she stands for, and two, we see what the DNC just did to a guy who has always been the voice of reason in the Senate. And what was so cool about Bernie is his he wasn't a Democrat. He wasn't a Republican. He was an independent who happened to run on the Democratic ticket. Which means he probably had to register as a Democrat. But, you know, every time I saw Bernie, there was always an I beside his name. Now, Bernie, yeah, he had some radical ideas. But his radical ideas, they all made sense. Let's eliminate the college loan system from public from public colleges. Let's make the top 1% of our country start fronting the bill while us middle class, we always have our taxes going up higher and higher and higher. Let's socialize medicine. And those who oppose socialized medicine are the ones who are on Medicare, which is a socialized program that Roosevelt created. Or maybe not. Who knows? But, I'm pretty sure Roosevelt created, but I'm probably wrong about that. I mean, you know, it is kind of late at night. 
But, you know, the, the same people who criticize socialized medicine or universal health care are the same ones who are Medicaid and Medicare. So I, I don't understand their logic at all. I've never understood it. But millennials got tired of the establishment screwing us, and we stayed at home, and Trump became president. This year, Beto O'Rourke is the millennials' choice, as well as the person who's running right now in Georgia for the governor's seat in Georgia, uh, the governor's seat in New York, a lot of house seats happening right now in California, Washington, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Utah, Ohio. I mean, there's so many races going on. But Beto O'Rourke has made it his obligation to go towards the millennial vote. So to Beto O'Rourke, congratulations, dude. Because that is exactly how you do it. You go straight for the millennial vote. Now, there's a lot of of important races, but you know, the one in Texas is the one that's sticking out the most right now. They are all over the internet right now. But, you know, right now you have President Trump, he's going out and, you know, doing his thing. He's campaigning for people, but I've said it once and I'll say it before Trump is a cancer on the Republican Party. Hell, y'all can't even call yourselves conservatives anymore. Y'all are all nationalists now, according to Trump. Believe your party's a nationalist. Congratulations with that, but we're not going to talk about that in this segment. We're talking about the midterms. We're going to keep our focus. Keep our focus, people. Um, but yeah, I mean, during, you know, while lawmakers are leaving D.C. to go campaign, the Senate confirmed 15 new judges. 15 new conservative judges. So even though some people may say, well, it's the midterms, it doesn't matter. Trust me, it does matter. And how can you fix what's going on in this country? I'm going to tell you the answer right now. Voter registration has ended in a lot of states throughout the country. It ended in Alabama last Friday. But you can go to votesaveamerica.com right now, and it will tell you where your polling place is, um, what you need to go vote. If you need voter ID cards or not, Alabama is a voter ID state, which is another form of voter suppression that I have disagreed with since the very beginning. Um, but votesaveamerica.com will tell you exactly what you need to go vote. And on Tuesday, November 6th, get your ass off the couch, go to your polling place, cast your vote. Voting begins at 7 a.m., ends at 7 p.m. However, if you're still at line at, in line at 7.13, they will stay open as long as it takes for everybody to vote. There's too much at stake in this midterm election cycle. So get off your butts, do something about it, make sure you're registered to vote, and go vote on Tuesday. We'll be right back.
and welcome back to this week's episode of Political Thoughts with Steve. So, this next segment is going to probably be a favorite amongst all my female listeners out there in podcast world. And to all of my female fans, I hope all of you amazing ladies are having a great, great week. But this segment, we are going to talk about the women's revolution. Now, I know last week we talked on, you know, we still you know stuck with the Me Too movement. But right now, women's issues is a huge, huge thing going on in our country's landscape. Right now, women are marching on Congress demanding for fair pay, for better benefits, to be treated equally. I mean, you know, things that women should have, you know, already had. You know, it is 2018. We are no longer in the 1980s. I think that we have progressed as a society to where we can look at a woman and go, hey, you're a human being. You should be treated equally. But, you know, some people are stupid and still think that we live in the 1940s and that women should be, you know, back in the kitchens. I am definitely not one of those people. So, yeah. The women's revolution. Get over it, fellas. It's happening. And this week, we are talking about the women's revolution. So, if you don't want to hear about the women's revolution, I suggest you go ahead and fast forward to the next segment right now. So, yeah, let's talk about the women's revolution. 2018 is the year of women. Beginning with the inauguration of Trump. 2017 saw an escalation of the Republicans' attack on women, defunding Planned Parenthood, undermined women's legal and reproductive rights, and slashed essential health benefits that many women, including women who are living in poverty, were able to receive. Republican Congress said no. Because they kept saying taxpayers shouldn't have to fund abortions. It's like these idiots never stepped foot into a Planned Parenthood. Guess what? I have. And I can tell you that when I stepped my f- step into one and put my feet into one, it wasn't all about abortions. These are women who were going there, you know, to get medical screenings, uh, contraception, uh, talking to counselors about you know, other means when it comes to having a child, you know, adoption, you know, a couple of women that I got to talk to, you know, I asked them, you know, what they thought about abortion and their, their whole outlook on abortion was an absolute last resort. They just wanted help because they weren't getting that from home. Their parents shunned away from them. But yeah, 2017, Republicans say, you want women? We don't care about y'all. And, you know, I felt bad for women because I bet it was really hard for women not to feel overwhelmed or discouraged during 2017. But here we are, 2018. 
the year of the woman. Something that should have happened a long time ago is happening now. Women everywhere are rising up and they are taking the Me Too movement into the main, mainstream. Mainstream. Mainstream, mainstream. Literally. Right now, millions are participating in the Me Too movement. And it's becoming clear that women are not going to stay silent anymore. So, fellas, douchebags who have hurt a woman in the past, who have sexually assaulted a woman and told her to shut up, she does not matter. I am so not sorry to tell you, but those days are over. They are not staying silent anymore. Silent breakers, those who have came out and spoke out, are now being put on Time Magazine. This movement has swept into our mainstream and has become more diverse. Social media has become increasingly effective at mobilizing younger generation of women and girls and telling women and girls, y'all are so much more than what society has told y'all. And it is awesome. And what broke the, the camel's back, the straw that broke the camel's back, it all started with the fall of Harvey Weinstein in California and in the media. The moment that women started coming out against, against Harvey Weinstein, that was the beginning of this Me Too movement, and it has grown into this colossal movement today. Maxine Waters, Congresswoman from California, she has been outspoken when it comes to advocates. When a she said when a when I spoke at the historic women's march back in January of this year, and I'm quoting her, I was extremely inspired and encouraged. Follow following the election of Trump, a man who has defined himself as having no respect for women and who has prepared to use his office to turn back the clock on the progress that has been achieved by the women's movement, the civil rights movement, the LGBT movement. These women have showed up, and they are gaining every type of attention for the concerns that they are going through. And she went on in that interview. So to everyone who has came out against sexual assault, bravo to all of you strong women. Women's political power is growing. Women are running for office right now in record numbers. Numbers we have not ever seen. There have been dramatic increases of women donors funding political campaigns. Par uh, parity for women and politics is being rightfully reframed as an essential component of a reflective democracy in the United States. One of, one of the organizations that I have been following for a long time, a, an organization called em, Emily's List. I don't know if any of my fellow 
or if any of my female podcast listeners has ever heard of MLS List, it's an organization devoted to electing female candidates. They reported a huge surge in women interested in running for office. You're talking about more than 22,000 women across the nation contacted Emily's list this year or since Trump was elected. I'm sorry. And have said, we want to organize, we want to run for office. That is amazing. Next month, the number of female House and Senate candidates right now are double the number than what it was this time in 2016. Powerful men are being held accountable in cases of sexual harassment and assault. Once again, the Me Too movement. Women are coming out. They don't care who you are or what you do. If you have hurt one of them, they are coming to get you. They are coming to make sure you answer for the crimes that you've committed. Now, we can talk about two weeks ago and the tragedy that happened two weeks ago. But you know what? The woman involved, Dr. Christine Blassie Ford, a name I will always utter out of my mouth. She did a brave thing. And I'm pretty sure that all of you ladies can agree with that. Watching powerful men that have committed acts of violence against women coming to grips with reality that they are not invisible from justice is an amazing thing to watch. Now, more men are now coming out and getting more involved in the Me Too movement. More men are coming out and saying, look, I was sexually assaulted by a female Back either when I was in college or in my youth. I was sexually assaulted also. You know, not to take away from the Me Too movement or the women's movement in general, but when it comes to sexual assault, it's not just gender specific. Males and females both experience sexual assault every single day. So we can't only just be sympathetic towards one group of people. We have to be sympathetic towards all of them. But I'm 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 just saying that watching powerful people being held accountable for their actions is an amazing thing. And now more men are joining women to help with this women's revolution with this women's revolution. The same thing is happening right now in sports. So my son is a huge Ronda Rousey fan. He didn't really follow her in UFC. I did because I always had this crush on Ronda Rousey. Um, You know, a powerful woman that can beat the hell out of you. I mean, come on now. What guy would not want to marry a woman like that? But 
My son has become a huge fan of Ronda Rousey since she joined the WWE, the wrestling organization. And last night, my son wanted to watch WWE Evolution. Now, I heard about this about six months ago because, you know, having a son that's a wrestling fan, I was a wrestling fan at his age. I was a wrestling fan throughout the whole Attitude Era during the 90s into the mid-2000s. I kind of stopped watching it back around 2010, 2011. But I started watching it again because, you know, my son watches it and it's something that I grew up on. So, you know, it's something that we can share together. But women, WWE Evolution happened last Saturday. And for those who did not see it, I promise you, you missed out. And for those of you that wants to have a free month of the WWE Network, go to the WWE Network online, register for your free month, and go watch that pay-per-view. It was amazing from beginning to end. This pay-per-view was an all-women's wrestling pay-per-view. I'm talking about you had a 20-woman battle royal that had wrestlers from the 90s and early 2000s um, women like Lita and Trish Stratus, Alondra Blaze, who was one of the greatest women's wrestlers I've ever seen. Um, you had them battling it out in a 20-woman battle royal. And I'm a big fan of women's wrestling. I mean, I watch Monday Night Raw and Tuesday Night Smackdown just to watch the women just go at it because you could tell there's so much more passion in women's wrestling than there has been in male wrestling. It's just some, there's a spark there, but you know, watching this pay-per-view and watching female WW superstars from the, from the past and now the present, it was just breathtaking. My son's face is like lit up. You know, he stayed up until, God, 10 o'clock because he would not go to bed until he watched Ronda Rousey fight Nikki Bella. And he watched the whole thing. He said, Dad, those women kick some serious butt tonight. Five years ago, this would have never happened. WWE fans, because I was one of them, we were constantly saying, God, women's wrestling is just boring. And eventually, WWE started listening. WWE started listening to the men and the female fans. and said, all right, y'all want something different? We're going to go recruit all these women from... The from all these independent wrestling organizations, we're going to go recruit them and we are going to create something special. And all these years later, we are watching amazing women like Nia Jax, Ronda Rousey, um, 
Charlotte Flair, the daughter of my favorite wrestler, the nature boy, Ric Flair. You know, to be the man, you got to beat the man. You're, Becky Lynch, who is my woman to crush Wednesday, every Wednesday, because she's just freaking awesome. Alexa Bliss, who is my... Uh, look, I've got a lot of WCWs, all right? I'm just a fan of all these women. But watching that pay-per-view last night, to all of to everyone that missed it, y'all definitely missed out on something special. And if you're a wrestling fan or if you want to watch it, you know, you can go to the to the WWE network right now on your phone or on your laptop or your computer. You get a free month of WWE network stuff that shows you like all the cool stuff like you know all the 90s wrestling, all the 2000s wrestling, all the pay-per-views is there. I'm a huge I I have a subscription because I like the Attitude Era stuff, the stuff I grew up on. But anyways, go and watch it. Because this is what women are doing in sports right now. Women are taking over sports. Women are taking over sports that was male-dominated for the longest time or showed women only as sex objects. But last night just blew my mind away. This should tell everyone how far we've come. But how much farther we have to go. So to everyone involved in this women's movement. Keep kicking ass. Because it's you all that are showing my niece. And maybe one day if I have a daughter I have to get remarried first. But one day, I'm going to have a daughter, and what women are doing today is going to influence her life later down the road. So the power is all up to us. So to all the strong-willed women out there, keep doing what you're doing. I support you. I'm sure a lot of men support you. And just keep doing what you're doing. We'll be right back. And welcome back to Political Thoughts with Steve. Here comes everyone's second favorite segment of the show, this Week in Trump, where we look at all the crazy things our fearless commander-in-chief has done in the past week. We really need some uh, some music for this, like a like a really cool like, like trio of This Week in Trump, or something like that. Anyways, This Week in Trump, the big news from Trump this week, he finally did it. He finally did it. He embraced his nationalist title in Texas. At a political rally in Houston, President Donald Trump declared himself a nationalist. But he forgot a word. He forgot a word to put in front of nationalist. 
Yes. Trump said, a globalist is a person that wants the globe to do well. Frankly, not caring about the country so much. You know, we we can't have that. Then, he's, then he went on to say, you know what I am? I am a nationalist. Use that word. And when he said nationalist, everyone erupted in chants. If we lived in 1951 and he would have said that, I'm pretty sure that those people would have been in complete silence and probably booed him off the stage and maybe have burned that Coliseum down to the ground. But because we live in an era where white nationalism is taken over at a fast rate, which, let's face it, everybody, white nationalism has been around for a long time. This is just the first time that, you know, it's okay to come out as a white nationalist. President Trump has now done it. He said that he's a nationalist, but come on, we're not stupid. He may think that we're stupid. A lot of his voters are probably stupid. I mean, you know, they, they're they they're cheering for a nationalist because they probably don't know what a nationalist is. But, you know, for all of us educated people who took a couple of classes back in the day, I'm pretty sure that we can dissect this for them. But, you know, they were cheering, and that didn't surprise me because this is the era we live in. We live in a, in a country where white nationalism is being embraced by the Republican Party. It's crazy. It is absolutely mind-blowing that we are having a discussion in 2018 about nationalism. You know who else was a nationalist? Hitler. Hitler was a nationalist. I mean, I'm pretty sure that, if, you know, if Nazis, if if the German Nazis were still around today causing death and destruction upon the Jewish people, if the German Nazis were around, I'm pretty sure President Trump would probably say, well, there's fine people on both sides. He'd probably say, look at that Hitler. He's doing something great. Because that's who our president is. I do not think he is as stupid as he comes out to be. He just knows that his followers would cheer anything. Remember, this is the guy who said he could go in the middle of Times Square and commit first degree murder and he'd still get elected president. It's because his base... It's crazy. I'm sorry to all of you Trumpsters who for some odd reason listen to this. Y'all are crazy. Y'all are crazy people. How can y'all back a nationalist? Right now, there is supposedly a caravan of Mexicans and terrorists coming to the U.S. border. We've seen this before. We saw this two years ago. You know what happened? The The INS arrested like 16 people and sent them back. These are people who are leaving Central Mexico or Central America. They are escaping oppression, looking at the United States as a country that can help them get better lives. But we have a damn president who does not care about human lives. He only cares about himself. 
And you need to keep that in your mind, especially in 2020, because I'm telling you this right now, if he loses in 2020, he is not going to leave that office without a fight. He is going to go tooth and nail. It will probably be decided by the Supreme Court. We could go back to 2000 all over again, except we will have a nationalist president who does not want to get rid of power. So Trump comes out and says, I'm a nationalist. He embraced his nationalism agenda that I have been preaching about for the last two years. White nationalism is here, and I'm sorry to tell you, it is here to stay. Can we kill it? Absolutely. If our generation, if my generation, if Gen X and Millennials come together and they start teaching their children right now that you do not judge a person based on the color of their skin or by what God that they pray to. If you don't judge a fellow human being, period, if you stop being a little asshole, then the next generation has hope to be a generation of open-minded individuals that will treat people the way they should be treated. There would be no more racism. There would be no more sexism. There would be no more xenophobia. The government will not be pitting Christians versus Muslims, Americans versus illegal immigrants. That madness would come to an end, and it all starts at home. So parents, stop teaching your kids to hate. Teach your kids to accept one another. I swear to you, our nation would be better off. So, yeah, Trump embraced nationalism. We already knew he was one, but now he's official one. Then... He spoke about what happened in Saudi Arabia. He's feeling betrayed by the Saudis because of how the Saudi government has been handling the investigation of the Saudi journalist that was murdered by the Saudi by the Saudi Arabian royal family and their government last week or week before last. Um, you know, he is saying that you know, he's disappointed in them. He wishes that they would just come to their senses. They're, he's saying that it's the worst cover-up ever. Let me remind you all of something. Donald Trump has a lot of property invested in Saudi Arabia. He has Saudi Arabian money. He is getting paid millions upon millions of dollars from the Trump Organization from all these Trump properties that are in Saudi Arabia, all these huge, magnificent hotels in Saudi Arabia, he is getting paid for that. So for him to say, well, I'm very disappointed in the Saudi Arabians, that is complete bullcrap and we all know it. This is just, this is just a way for him to cover something up. And I swear I have the smartest listeners 
when it comes to a political podcast. Because what I love about you guys is you guys like to call me out on things. And I appreciate that. I think any time anyone is giving a political opinion and start throwing numbers, you should question them. You should question me all the time. I'm okay with that. I did an interview a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking politics. I it was, it was with a group of amazing women, by the way. And, you know, we were talking politics. And if they were to call me out on anything that they thought didn't sound right, I am I was totally okay with that. They didn't. But if they would have, that's totally fine. I like that. I like the debate. It's fun to me. I'm a nerd at debating. That's the reason why I have a degree in government and political science. It's because I love to debate. That's why I was on SGA when I was doing my undergrad. That's why I got involved in local and state and federal politics when I was doing my undergrad degree. That is why right now I'm still involved in all this politics. And I'm in my master's classes. I'm in grad school about to get my master's degree. I like being called out. I like being challenged. I have thick skin. It's okay. I don't I don't get offended easily. But Trump has very thin skin. So he's calling out Saudi Arabia. Our partners in peace, even though that they still execute people for being gay, they still beat women for driving cars, and they kill journalists who are against their government. This is our friend in the Middle East. And the only reason why they're our friend, I'm sorry to tell you, but it's because of the huge stockpile of oil that they are sitting on. And until we move to cleaner energy, we will still have this same problem. So what else happened with Trump? He's still saying that Climate change is either man-made or not. He thinks that there's something there. Well, no shit, Sherlock. There is something there. There's been something there since the Industrial Revolution. When factories began sprouting up and putting a lot of smoke in the air. When New York looked like Japan. Or Beijing. Because of the amount of smog that was in the air. Yes. Climate change is happening. How many more scientists has to tell you? See, the one thing about this segment is I get to spat off about our fearless commander-in-chief because I really just don't like the guy. I've always been critical of every president. I was critical of Obama. I was critical of both Bushes. I was critical of Clinton and Reagan and Carter and Ford and Nixon. Every president I've ever studied about, I have always been critical. But this guy does not deserve the office he sits in. And I, and I pray every single day that 2020... When we go back to the polls in November of 2020, we kick his ass out of the Oval Office and put someone more willing, someone more deserving of that title in that office.
because there's too much madness going on, and it's because of Trump. So, that is This Week in Trump, and we'll be right back. And welcome back to our final segment in this week's episode of Political Thoughts with Steve. This is my favorite segment, and it's become a favorite to a lot of my listeners out there in podcast land. This is Final Thoughts with Steve. This is a time for me to lower my blood pressure a little bit and to actually have a one-on-one conversation with you, the listener. This has been a crazy week for our country. So the first thing we're going to talk about, we're going to go ahead and talk about this war that the alt-right and President Trump is conducting on our free press. Now, when our forefathers came together and established a free press, it was a way for citizens to keep the government into a system of checks and balances. From a citizen standpoint, a press that was able to read or to write and to speak their opinions however they want, regardless if it was national issues or, or you know, just local issues. That's why we have a press. And through the decades of American history, our press has covered the biggest stories from World War II to America landing the first men on the surface of the moon to the tragedy of the Kennedy assassination to Watergate that ended President Nixon's career to the tragic day in September in 2001 when we lost over 3,000 of our fellow friends and neighbors. Our press covers the news with professionalism. Now many of you are going to disagree with that and it's understandable. A lot of news organizations lean either to the left or right. It's something that they shouldn't do. Press shouldn't, the press's job isn't to get Democrats to vote. The press's job is to report the news fairly, regardless if that news is good or bad for either political parties. So I see the argument. I strongly believe that our press should always remain neutral and report on the stories. With that being said, This past week, bombs were sent to political leaders and to a news organization. Bombs were sent to President Obama, Secretary Clinton, other formidable Democrats who are anti-Trump. Let's see, bombs were sent to Bill Ayers, which is a, he's donated millions of dollars to Democrat campaigns. 
and a bomb was sent to the CNN headquarters in New York. This is what the war on the press and the war that the alt-right wants to conduct. This is what that war is going to look like. You're going to see many stories come out where deranged alt-right idiots are trying to kill innocent American citizens. Innocent American citizens. We are so divided right now. And I thought growing up and going through high school in 2000, in the 2000s up to 2005, especially after the war in Iraq started, I thought that we were divided then. But you know what? That has nothing to do with what it looks like in 2018. We are highly divided. Neighbors can't talk about politics without getting into fistfights with each other. And now you have a president who is enticing violence from his alt-right nationalist movement to go and do harm to anybody you feel is a threat to your way of life. And then the asshole had the audacity to say we need to be Unified. We need to come together as a country. And not even five minutes later, he was already conducting another war on the press. This is what is happening, everybody. President Trump is destroying that sense of freedom that we've always had. And it's because of those hateful words President Trump keeps spewing at rally after rally that people who are crazy, people who have serious mental issues are conducting bombs to kill People that President Trump has deemed enemies of our republic. The president has literally gone crazy, in my opinion. Our press, our press is not the enemy of the people. The alt right movement. Is the enemy of the people. I hate Fox News with a passion. Anybody who knows me can tell you. I have a strong hatred of Fox News. I call it the Trump propaganda machine. But guess what? They are still a member of the free press. Regardless if I like them or not. The only person on Fox News I like is Shepard Smith because he is not afraid to talk against Donald Trump. And for a guy who works for Fox News to talk bad about the President of the United States, 
that is a brave, ballsy thing to do. And I'm sure he has made a lot of enemies. I'm sure he has death threats every single day. But to Shepard Smith, if you ever wanted to come over to the dark side, to MSNBC or CNN, or any news network that's not Fox News, we have the best chocolate chip cookies ever. Just come on over, because it seems like you could be, you know, one of us. So, so Shepard, just come on over. But the press isn't the enemy of the Republic. The alt-right, neo-Nazi, white nationalist movement that are now freely roaming our Republic, they are the enemy. And do you know how to stop this enemy? Not by acts of violence. No, no. Violence only makes things worse. You stop them at the polls. You get your friends together. You get your neighbors together on election day. You leave the house. Go to your polling place. Cast that vote. End this movement. Because if this movement does not end, we are going to see more people conduct bombs and sending it to members of our press or to members of the Democratic Party. We're going to see this madness continue until we vote this madness out. But that wasn't the only form of tragedy that struck last week. In a Jewish synagogue in Pennsylvania, a white nationalist walked into the synagogue with a gun and killed 11 people. 11 and I'm going to do something right now because the news always shows the picture of the killer. I'm going to tell you the names of the people that died. Richard Godfrey was 65 of Ross Township. Rose Mallinger was 97 of Squirrel Hill in the city of Pittsburgh. Jerry Rambowitz was 66 of Edgewood Borough. Cecil Rosenthal was 59 of Squirrel Hill. His brother David Rosenthal was 54 of Squirrel Hill, city of Pittsburgh. Bernice Simon was 84. She lived in Wilkinsburg. Sylvian Simon was 86. He's the husband of Bernice. He lived in Wilkinsburg. Daniel Stein, 71. He lived in Squirrel Hill. Melvin Max was 88. He lived in Squirrel Hill. 
and Irving Younger was 69 of Mount Washington in Pittsburgh. These are the 11 victims of a mass shooting that happened in Pennsylvania this weekend. Robert Gregory Bowers killed eight men and three women inside the Tree of Life Synagogue on Saturday. When he was interviewed by the officers, he said, I just want to kill Jews. He did this using an AR-15 assault rifle and three handguns that I'm pretty sure he probably obtained legally. Still don't think that the white nationalist movement is dangerous. Tell that to the 11 families who are about to have to bury their loved ones this week. Gun violence against minorities will continue as long as the president continues to divide this country. It's the sad reality that we live in. When a friend of mine said that gun violence against minorities will continue, it, it, it's sad that we live in 2018 that people are walking into synagogues and churches and blowing people away with semi-automatic weapons. So how do we stop it? Midterms are coming up a week from Tuesday. We can stop it there. We can stop it at home. We can teach our kids to do better and to be better and to love more. But you know what the best way to stop this madness is? For all of us just to come together. This evening, our trash guys normally pick up our trash like almost at 6 o'clock. So it's late in the evening. I was sitting on my front porch with my son, and I heard the garbage truck coming. And I said to him, go get a couple of bottles of water out of the kitchen. Because we're going to go take them to these, to these guys on the trash truck. So... My soon-to-be 10-year-old son runs into the kitchen, comes out with two bottles of water. By the time he comes out the door, the trash truck is right right there by our yard. He runs out there. Guy walks, you know, gets off the trash truck, the trash truck, the garbage truck, throws trash in. Caden gives him a bottle of water. He gives him a hug. The guy thanks him. Caden says, you're welcome. We go to the driver, we, we give him a bottle of water, and, came, and when they left, you know, I always thank them for their service because, you know, they have tough jobs, and sometimes we don't think about that. We, we just complain that, you know, the trash ran late today. These guys and these women have tough jobs, and we need to be more understanding of that. 
Caden asked me, my son asked me, he said, Daddy, why did we do that? And I said, because we need to start being kind to people. We need to be nicer. We need to treat everybody with dignity and respect. He said that, he said, but it was just a bottle of water. I said, it's not the bottle of water. It is the show of human kindness. It's the small acts of kindness that goes on a long way. So I taught him a life lesson today. I'm hoping that when he goes to school tomorrow, he too will he too will have the same life lesson. He'll share that with his friends. And that would do it for Final Thoughts with Steve on this week's episode. To everyone that supports our podcast, thank you all so much. We are deeply thankful and blessed for the many fans that we have. Right now, I think we're close to 900 followers on Twitter. For us, we thought that you know maybe we'd have a couple of followers. But, you know, for us... That is awesome that 900 people think that, you know, we are, you know, worthy of that. So to all of our followers on Twitter, thank you so much. If you haven't followed us yet and you're on Twitter, make sure you go to our official Twitter page at official PTWSTEV. That's at official PTWSTEV and click that follow button. Also, if you'd like to become a sponsor of our show, we rely heavily on sponsorships. We really need sponsorships. It helps us with our equipment, our sound equipment. If you want to be a sponsor, go to anchor.fm slash political TWSTEV. Anchor.fm slash political TWSTEVE and click that donation button. Also, we have become a member of a huge podcast community on Twitter over the last month. And right now there's like over 50 people in this podcast community, 50 podcasts, and it is just, it's amazing to be part of this amazing community. We are blessed to be able to, you know, share stuff with them and talk to them and you know, they give us advice, we give them advice. It's just a really awesome community. Um, these podcasts enjoy making their shows just as much as we do. So to all of my listeners, go support these podcasts. And I'm going to give you a couple right now to check out. A Non-Mom Happy Hour. One of my favorites. It is, it is about is a podcast about kick-ass women that celebrate all kick-ass women while drinking a lot of wine. And they also tell really great funny stories. And by the way, if Bobby Joe is listening to this podcast, I laughed hard at your story that you were referencing me in for this week laughed my butt off to that story that you were talking about this week. Um, K 
Kelly, if you're listening to this, just tell Bobby Joe I laughed pretty hard. She know y'all know what I'm talking about. But if you want to go check these amazing women out, and I highly encourage it because they have become my Monday routine now. You can find these two amazing women on Twitter at non mom happy hour. That's at non mom happy hour, or they have a website now and go to nonmomhappyhour.com. Go check their stuff out. I checked their website out today. It's a great website. So go check their website out. Also, another really awesome podcast that we are becoming huge fans of is Secret Spice of Life. It is a podcast that encourages people to follow their dreams while adding variety and positivity into everyday lives. It is brought to you by two podcasters, Brandon and Jordan Golnica. I'm I'm probably definitely pronouncing that wrong. I'm bad at names. I thank God in the Navy we had name tags because I would have walked around the aircraft carrier all day going, what's up, dude? Because I'm terrible at butchering names. So to Brandon and Jordan, you guys are awesome. Great episode. Um, if my listeners, if y'all want to listen to them, Y'all can definitely go to my page. I share almost everything on my page. Or you can go check them out at official SSOL. That is official SSOL on Twitter. Or go to secretspiceoflife.podbean.com today. Go check them out. Also, the Lady Killers podcast is a true pod is a true crime podcast. You can go find them at TK Podcast. That's at TK Podcast. Another one of my personal favorites, My Worst Date. This, the, these three are awesome. These three women are awesome. Uh, Keegan, Christina, Cassie, they share stories about the worst dating disasters ever. And I'm probably about to send them like a long a couple of long emails of mine because, you know, I've had a couple of bad dating disasters in my life, but you can go find them out. You can go find them at worst date pod on Twitter. That's at worst date pod or at radiopublic.com slash my worst date. So go check my worst date podcast. Cause they're, they're freaking hilarious. And finally to honesty, check to honesty, check podcast. Um, they're a podcast that gives you the honest opinions. They're two best friends that does this podcast. I've listened to a couple of episodes already, and it's a great podcast. I like the, these people. Um, go check them out at Honesty Check Pod. That is at Honesty Check Pod. So go check out these awesome podcasts. I promise you will not be disappointed. We have a huge community. Also, Go to votesaveamerica.com. Votesaveamerica.com and make sure you're registered to vote. And if you're ready to go, it gives you information on voting. It's a great website with so much great content. Let's make this year's midterm elections the best yet. Let's exercise our right to vote. And finally, make sure that this week you go thank a veteran. To all of my brothers and sisters around the world that's serving in active duty, reserve, National Guard, including all my crazy Air Force brothers and sisters, 
Thank you so much for your service to our country. We love you. We support you. We're always thinking about you. In this crazy world, our military needs all of our support. So I encourage every single person that listens to my podcast, go thank a veteran this week. Go thank a member of our armed forces. They deserve it. And with that, remember, next week, two episodes. We have two episodes that will be released. Remember, our weekly episode will be released next Monday. And, of course, next Tuesday, we'll have a special midterm election night coverage going on. It's probably going to be a long podcast. So it's going to be different than our weeklies. Just, you know, just hang in there. It's going to be fun. Um, And that's it. So. To all of our listeners, thank you so much. We love you all, and we will talk to you, all of you amazing people next week right here on Political Thoughts with Steve, brought to you by Anchor. Go check them out. We'll see you all next week.